0: Oh, oh, Welcome to the Head to Heal podcast where you'll go head over heels learning about how the body and the brain work together to either feed disease or fight it. I'm your host, Jordana Sade, certified holistic nutritionist and founder of the Mindful Clinic. With a background in nutrition, behavioral neuropsychology and hypnosis, I'm going to walk you through the root cause of your symptoms and disordered behaviors. The body has an innate ability to heal. No one is destined for illness and most if not all disorders can be reversed. Come with me as we develop a new understanding of how you can use your head to heal and truly thrive. Okay, guys, thanks so much for coming. Um, if people kind of trickle in, I will just pause and admit them. But um, thank you guys so much for coming. I have tons of questions that have already been asked, and then I'll just kind of go through the chat. I'm just going to give you guys a brief um, explanation of who I am and what I do. So... My name is Jordana. I'm a holistic nutritionist and a hypnotherapist. So my whole story begins when I was a child. I was overweight as a child. And, um, you know, this was back in the times when obesity rates were significantly lower. So I was bullied and made fun of a lot in school. And that um, really kind of traumatized me at a young age. And so when I was eight years old, I went on my first diet and I didn't really know exactly what that was. I just kind of um, starved myself and I began to receive a lot of like positive reinforcement from the people around me. So my parents were like, oh, look, now we can see your beautiful face and the cutest boy in school started talking to me. And so what this really taught me from a young age was that being thin meant I was lovable and being overweight meant I wasn't. And so this kind of like catapulted into years and years of disordered eating. So when I was in high school, I actually started using substances as a means to stay thin. So I got addicted to all types of substances. And then when I moved to university in Montreal, Concordia, um, I developed a really uh, severe cocaine addiction. And my parents were like, we're not going to pay for this for you to party anymore. It's time to come home. And so we can figure this out. So when I got home, I, I didn't really have access to cocaine as, as readily available, but it just kind of switched from one addiction to the next. Like it just went from all, okay, cocaine to alcohol. Um, and then at that point I had met my husband and I got pregnant, which kind of saved my life. So I'm so grateful for it. Uh, but when I had my son, I had to be abstinent from all of my substances. And it was a, it was in those moments of sobriety that I got to look back on my life and think, like, what the fuck just happened here? Like, um, and the the only thing that I had access to was food. So this was really when like my food tendencies and my food addiction started to um, proliferate and I gained like almost hundred pounds in my pregnancy. And my doctor was like, this is really unhealthy. We've got to get the baby out. And so after I had my son, I vowed I would like get to the bottom of the, all of this eating stuff. So when my son was nine months old, I went to uh, become a study to be a holistic nutritionist. And I graduated as valedictorian with first class honors. And I was hired right out of school to work with the metal doctor, uh, medical doctor, Dr. Mohammed Abraham. There's actually a few people here from his clinic. So Hey guys, nice to see you. Um, But yeah, so anyways, I worked uh, with the doctor in this clinic, and we saw like over 600 patients. And it was a really beautiful opportunity for me. It was a really great opportunity for me to, you know, co author a few of his books. And, um, but I really just saw the same type of person in the clinic. So I think that at the end of the day, we all know what's healthy for us. It's actually choosing that healthy choice that becomes quite difficult. So for example, we all know an apple is healthier than a chocolate bar, but we still choose the chocolate bar anyways. So I became really obsessed with understanding the motivation behind people's behaviors as it relates to like food and and why we choose to self-sabotage and what that brain behavior activity is, because I don't believe that anybody wakes up and they're like, Hey, I want to be fat. Like, it's just not really a choice. And it wasn't a choice for me either. And throughout my entire career, I've now um, gone back to school to do a master's and PhD in behavioral neuropsychology. And my whole practice now is in this brain behavior activity. Um, so it's really just understanding um, our human behavior and the neuropsychology behind, like, what parts of our brain stimulates that behavior and then how we make behavior change permanent. Okay, So that's a little bit about me. I'm also really um, fascinated in mental health and nutrition. So a lot of my practice is using food as a mechanism to help rebalance some of the neurotransmitters in the brain, um, to help us overcome things like depression, anxiety, even things like schizophrenia, etc. Okay, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my weight story. So I already kind of talked about this, but Ultimately, like I struggled with a lot of disordered eating in the past. And um, I really just lost and gained the same 100 pounds, like I've been almost 300 pounds, and I've been under 100 pounds, which I guess is actually almost 200 pounds that I've gone up and down from but Um, Anyways, it's been like a really, really long road. And one of the parts I want to emphasize right now is that even after I became a nutritionist, and I knew exactly what was healthy for me and what wasn't, I still um, ended up gaining about another 70 pounds back and the weight was very stubborn. So I was really frustrated with myself because I had all the answers. And I didn't understand why, even though I was exercising every day, even though I was eating healthy, or what I thought was healthy, um, I was still not able to lose weight. And so this like type of mental like conundrum I was in was really difficult because I was like, I'm a nutritionist. I have all the answers and I'm still about 70 pounds overweight. And so I was like running every single day and trying to burn off all these calories. And really it wasn't moving. So I decided to do something very extreme. And I went on a 60 day juice class, a 60 day juice fast And, um, so I did not eat food for 60 days and I was looking at transformations of people who had done this juice fast before. And, um, it was incredible. Like some people were losing hundreds of pounds. And so I was like, this is it. This is the answer. I'm just going to detox and let my body kind of re-regulate. And so I did this 60 day juice fast. And after the 60 days, I lost a total of seven pounds, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, and I regained that seven pounds within the first week of eating food again. So this was really like a tail tall sign of me knowing that there is just, it's more than calories in and calories out. There's so much more that goes on in the body that relates to weight gain and especially stubborn weight in, in particular that, um, affects the way that our body holds on to and lets go of weight. So this was like my opportunity to dig a lot deeper and learn more about rebalancing the body from like a functional medicine perspective. And eventually I figured it out, obviously, and I lost all the weight I wanted to I all the foods I like. um, I do not emotionally eat anymore. So that's an aspect of it. But a lot of it came down to not just like the emotional eating component and food psychology, which is like my passion, uh, but also rebalancing hormones, understanding pathogens in the body, boosting metabolism, knowing how stress works in the body. And so all of these things kind of combined is what allowed me to optimize my body and get and reach all the goals I wanted to. So Um, again, like when we talk about food psychology and healing our relationship with food, I think people often think they won't be able to have the body that they want. And that's just not true. Like here I have abs and I'm still eating things that I really love. I'm like, I do not want to live in a world where there's no cake. So, um, yeah, this is just a little bit about my story and I wanted to just, Oh, I'll just say a testimonial too. So I worked with at this point, Uh, 250 people in this specific program in my private coaching program. And I've only ever had two people not be successful. So I'm like very confident with my success rate. I have a 99% success rate and those two people that weren't successful were not successful for a very specific reasons so um I, this program is like pretty bulletproof because it is so personalized and so um this client just says you know i want to thank you so much for such a life-changing ch- experience i've tried everything to get my eating under control and up until this program nothing has worked so this client um has been binge free so this was a binge eating client uh, for 12 weeks lost 18 pounds and just so grateful for the confidence And I think that confidence is kind of a missing component too, that we, we need to talk about in order to reach our weight loss goals. And then another testimonial. So this client uh, was with me for, um, five months and after the five month point, she's lost 45 pounds and she's, she's just great. She's so happy. Okay, I'm going to open the floor to you guys. I'm going to stop this presentation. Um, you guys can ask any questions that you like. I'm going to actually, before we start, I'm going to ask answer the questions for the people that asked ahead of time, and then I'll jump into yours. Okay, so here are. We'll start with Jessica. I see that you're on this call, so I was going to start with the one that you sent in an email, but. Jessica says it might be a silly question, but I'm curious, um, since learning about insulin and spiking with eating before bed, is it okay to drink caffeine free nighttime tea before bed? If so, doesn't matter the time that you consume it before sleeping. Okay. So great question. No, um, anything that's like herbal tea the caffeine will spike insulin a little bit, but as long as there's no sugars or carbohydrates in what you're drinking, it's, it's fine. And, and also to like there are things that spike insulin that aren't even related to food. Like if cortisol is high, insulin will naturally be high because we use glucose as a mechanism to derive energy. Right. So it's not just like eating is really important for not like not, not eating before bed, but we also need to think about like blue lights on our phone stress before bed. Um, I'll give you a funny example. I watched a scary movie. I love scary movies, but I watched this. I'm pregnant right now. So, um, I'm like almost done almost due. So I watched a scary movie right before bed and I started getting these like crazy Contractions And I was up like all night long. And this is because the cortisol was spiking and my body was like using stored insulin. Right. Um, so yeah, that hopefully that answers that question, Jessica, but like, you're totally good with herbal tea. And then to answer your question here, how harmful are natural flavors and gums that are added to our foods, especially, um, dairy and gluten replacements, really great question. So here's my theory. And here's what I recommend with like replacements. I believe like I'm somebody who is primarily dairy and gluten-free. There are exceptions for sure. Like I said, I'm going to eat cake. I don't want to live in a life without cake. And so, and with dairy, I just don't have it in my house. But if I go to my mom, my mom's Italian, like I'm going to eat a plate of pasta with Parmesan cheese on it. And that's just that, but I just don't have it on a daily basis. So if you are using these substitutes, all the time. Yes, it's definitely harmful because we are just designed to eat whole foods. Like the foods that come out of the ground are designed for our bodies, like specifically for us. Right. And so any of these chemicals are going to be harmful from a weight loss perspective, because we are adding extra toxins in the body and toxins get stored inside of adipose tissue. So unless you're like detoxing every single day, like I'm talking infrared sauna, um, sweating, uh, cold therapy, whatever it is, we are storing a lot of these toxins inside of our fat tissue, which can make um weight really really stubborn was that helpful Jess you guys can turn off your mics and like chat
1: yes very helpful thank you Jordana okay awesome Jordana I'm just uh want to jump in here about the cold therapy is that that's what I'm trying to do is that good
0: for getting rid of toxins then yeah, and like in a, a roundabout way. Um, so the cold therapy is gonna be really beneficial for actually training your body to utilize fat. So when we talk about like fat loss, it's not just a simple process as like, okay, we have the fat cell and we just like burn it. Like it's actually a really complex process and there are two steps to it. So one, we have to like release the fatty acid from the glycerol backbone, and then we have to utilize it. So there's two, um, I'm just gonna mute you for a second, Joanne, but Um, So there are two components to this, right? There's breaking apart the fatty acids from the glycerol backbone and then actually utilizing it. So what the cold therapy helps to do is it helps to break apart. And then it's that shivering process that tells the nerves in our body to utilize the fat cell, because on every single adipose tissue on every single fat cell, we have a nerve that attaches to it. So, it is going to help with detox in a sense where it's going to force the body to use fat cells where a lot of toxins are stored, but it's also just beneficial for weight loss overall. And you can unmute now. Was that helpful, Joanne?
1: Yes, that's great. Thanks, Jordana. Okay, awesome.
0: Next.
2: Hey, Jordana, it's awesome.
1: Hey, how's it going?
2: Not bad. How are you? I'm good. Uh, so I have a question I think I've asked you this before, but I just had a little bit of uh, trouble understanding it. So I, um, technically on paper, I'm pre-diabetic and, you know, I'm trying to reverse that. And I dieted, uh, like you said, yo-yo diet lost completely 40 pounds and in like two months, two months, but I was, I'm not happy because it was like, eat this, this, this. And then once I stopped, went right back up. Mm -hmm. uh, in weight. So for me, one thing that I've noticed as I monitor my sugars is that like some days, let's say I'll have, you know what I'm having about the, I'm just going to have a snack or something late at night. I wake up with great sugars, but days where I I'm practicing intermittent fasting, I'll wake up and it's higher than a 5.6. And in my head, I'm like, is my body just uh, still adjusting because I'm not giving it that food? Like, is it taking the time to repair itself until those levels go back to normal? Mind you, I've only been doing that for a week and a half, that intermittent fasting.
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that like the main players that you want to take into consideration here is just is looking at the cortisol aspect. So like, I kind of, I spoke to this when I talked, uh, when I talked about uh, Jessica's question, but, um, cortisol is going to spike glucose naturally. So when we are in a fasted state, the brain perceives it as like, I'm in danger. I don't have access to food. And so it's going to force the body to like release stress hormones. So people that have like hormonal imbalances or, um, yeah, specifically hormonal imbalances are high stress uh, lives. Um, and to people who don't know how to deal with their stress properly, or don't know how to emotionally regulate, I tend to see higher glucose levels from intermittent fasting. And so you have two kind of options here. You can like ride the wave and like, and let your body kind of like rebalance itself. Um, or, and in conjunction with that, I would work on the stress stuff. So I would like do, you know, lifestyle stuff like meditation. You can even take like an adaptogen, like, um, uh, like ashwagandha or reishi or something that would just help to like bring that cortisol level back into check. Um, or you can like stop intermittent fasting and, um, eat a healthy whole food diet where we're not like, there's not this like all or none type of behavior, right? It's not like I'm eating it only these four hours, so I better get everything in. And then for the rest of the day, we fast.
2: I think, yeah, that makes sense. I think my fasting is like, I just, I don't eat after seven 30 and I just don't eat in the morning because I'm not hungry. So it's kind of falls into that spectrum, I guess, but yeah, okay, I'll, I'll try that. I'll try that out. Yeah.
0: So then if you're, if that's your fasting period, then that that's like a normal fasting period. So I think what's happening here is your body's just not used to using uh, fat as energy right now. And so it's going into like high cortisol panic mode. And so then you just really need to work on your stress. So do you take magnesium?
2: I take magnesium glycinate and then all the normal vitamins, in addition to uh, berberine, is what I, I take now.
0: Blood sugar. Yeah, that's good. I would um, take like some form of adaptogen just to work on the stress levels. But again, like this isn't an overnight process. Hormones take like three to six months to rebalance, which is why my private coaching program is six months, right? Like it's not like, you know, you just do it for a week and then we're good. Like it just takes time. So just be patient.
2: Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much.
0: No problem. Who
1: has another question? I, I do. Hi, Jordana. It's okay. Lena. Um, so my question is kind of um, uh, a loaded question, I guess. So when you when you say that you have, or when you, people say that you have an intolerance, or someone has an intolerance to food, what exactly does that mean?
0: Yeah. So we have, um, in our immune system, we have four different type of systems that come into play here for immune reactions. We have IgG, IgA, IgM, and IgE. And so if you were like had anaphylactic shock, you would have an IgE response. Okay. So that's like, um, you know, you're going to the hospital, that's the, the typical peanut allergy. Um, and then if you have an IgG response, which is like where our sensitivities come in, uh, that's causing just like low level inflammation in your body all the time. So these a lot of the food intolerances, like when we talk about food intolerances, we're talking about an IgG reaction. And these like reactions are just causing constant inflammation. And with inflammation in the body, we with there's water retention, there's holding on to toxins. And so it becomes a little bit harder to lose like typically I like to implement the food intolerances when people are hitting a plateau, like they've, they they're not really emotionally eating anymore. Um, they've lost some weight and now we've gotten to a plateau. Then we start to look at like, wh- what's the root cause of the stubborn weight. And if we take out the intolerances, then we see the weight coming down. So, I'm um, you, you, I may have told you this example, but, uh, for me, like I was like, dairy's bad for me. I'm going to take it all out of my diet. And I switched everything to almond milk, almond milk, everything and almonds for a snack and so and i was like running every day and not losing any weight and so i was like well 10k isn't enough i'm gonna run 20k and that's not enough i'm gonna run 25k and still not losing any weight so part of the problem here was the cortisol issue that i just explained and then the other problem was like i was eating things on a daily basis that was causing inflammation so i did my food intolerance test I found almonds was like, literally my top intolerance, I took it out of the diet. And within a week, I dropped like 10 pounds, and but I didn't do anything different. It was just the intolerances, right. So that's why like, I include the food intolerance test in my six month program always, because I just think it's so beneficial for clients. And um, one of my clients in particular had a very similar example, like she exercised, she her weight was really stubborn. And then once we just took the intolerances out, like weight loss was really, really simple, because the body's not like Cause if you think about it, like the body's last, last, um, priority is to lose weight. Like the body's just trying to keep you alive, man. Right. So like, so weight loss comes like very, like, it, it's just not something it thinks about first. So if we've got all these inflammation markers in the body, the body perceives that as like, here's a threat. It's a foreign invader. So the body's going to tackle that first. But then if there's like repeated exposure, then the body's never really addressing weight loss. So it's going to be working on the inflammation constantly. So it's just like one extra thing that we can empty out of the barrel to help the body like function properly. Is that helpful?
1: Uh, yes, very. That, that makes complete sense. Okay, awesome.
0: Ooh, it's time for a food intolerance test. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Does anybody else have any questions?
2: Can I chime in again? Yeah, of course. Um, so there's this one thing that you and I spoke about a few years ago. I was at TELUS and he told me one thing and I never forgot it. And you fully said it's um, emotional versus mental hunger. Yeah. And not counting calories. Yeah. But that, I think my struggles that like, I don't understand that. If I don't count calories, how am I going to lose the weight?
0: Right. Okay. So what I would say to you is that first of all, we have a limiting belief here. Okay. So like your entire reality all of your guys's reality is based upon what your subconscious thinks is true so if my if i grew up in a, in a world where like Jeff Bezos or whatever is my father and i think making money is fucking easy then like i'm gonna have a way better chance of making money like i'm not gonna like instead i grew up with like my my lovely immigrant father who like busted his ass every day just to like put food on the table so like my work ethic mimics that right? So your entire reality is based on your subconscious beliefs. And so if you have a belief where like, if I'm not counting calories, if I'm not in a calorie deficit, then like, I'm not going to lose weight, then that's exactly what's going to happen. And there's actually a lot of like really high level studies that mimic this entire experience. So um, there's a really good neuroscientist in um, Stanford, her name's Aliyah from Chrome's group. And she does this like whole um, experiment on how your thoughts affect like what you're eating and where it goes to. And so what she did was she did a study with two milkshakes. Okay. And she gave they're both the exact same milkshakes. And with one group, she told them the milkshake was highly caloric. And with the other group, she told them the milkshake was low caloric. And then they measured biometrics after they drank the milkshakes. And then the person that she told them it was highly caloric, all of their biometrics spiked like blood sugar up, cortisol up, leptin up in the group where she told them, you know, this is a low caloric drink. Their blood sugar rose at a rate that would be consistent with somebody drinking something who was, that was low caloric, like a fruit. And so what does this tell us about what we're eating? It tells us that our thoughts about what we're eating is more important than the food we're eating itself. So if you're eating a donut and you're like, fuck, this is going straight to my thighs. Like, yeah, it is. You literally just told your body what to do with it right? And so we have to understand that like our entire experience is the brain, the spinal cord, and all the peripheral nerves that extend out from the spinal cord. And those nerves attach to things like our fat cells. So if we're eating a donut and we're telling our body, this is going to make me fat. Those nerves are activating the adipose tissue to gain weight. Like you literally just tell yourself what to do now here. We can't escape reality. Okay. Like we can't like eat something poisonous and be like, It's not, or like eat McDonald's every day and be like, it's a salad. Like the we're, we're too smart for that. So it has to be completely blind. But the reason why I'm telling you this is because like the first, like the first problem that you have here is that you have limiting beliefs around food that just aren't true. And the only way that you can like overcome the trueness of that is by like experimenting yourself. Like I can tell you all day long, like yesterday I bought like seven pastries. I had a little bit of all of them. I don't like, that's my thing. I take bites, but, um, But like, I didn't gain a single pound, whereas like years ago, I would have had one of those bites and been like, fuck this, I'm going to gain so much weight from this. And I would have been like, okay, like I'm starting tomorrow, I'm not going to have any more. And then that that whole image of like starting tomorrow, I'm not going to emotionally eat. It's like the threat of scarcity, that's going to cause you to overindulge. The other concept I want to bring up here in this specific uh, topic is like, a baby is never going to come to this earth and cry for food if it's not hungry, period. Like a baby just straight up will not cry unless it's for like for hunger, unless for food, unless it's not hungry. So we're actually born into this world being very intuitive. Right. And so our body actually intuitively knows what it needs. The problem is we're not feeding our stomach anymore. We're feeding our mental capacity for happiness. So we have like false hunger and true hunger and it would actually take new study just got released. It would take 90 days for someone in this day and age to not need food, like to die from being starved 90 days. That's ridiculous. It used to be like 30. We doubled, tripled it. That's because we have so much excess on our body that our bodies can work through. So on a day-to-day basis, if you're like, I'm not sure if it's hungry or craving, I can tell you right now, it's not hunger. Like you have enough, okay? Not saying we all need to starve ourselves, but I I really just want to put this into perspective because most of the time when we get that urge to eat, it's not the stomach being like, I need food. It's the brain being like, I feel dysregulated. I want to self-soothe. I want relief. I want to escape the situation. I'm unhappy. And how do we respond to that? We respond to it by reinforcing it with food. And so then we have this like really strong relationship between craving and eat when really, we're not like listening to our body at all. And so when I was like, originally looking into this like whole process of food psychology, I was like, okay, there's so many people talking about intuitive eating here. Like there's gotta be some efficacy. Like, why don't I just try intuitive eating? But at the time, like I was so disconnected from my body that intuitively my body was like, I want to eat a whole box of donuts that doesn't happen anymore because like I've trained my body not to like use food as a mechanism for coping, but it takes time. Like it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Right. And so like in part of my private coaching, like that's what we work on. We work on like understanding true versus false hunger. And like, we actually do exercises every single day that trains your brain to be like, this isn't real hunger. I don't need this. And the more that we can disassociate and not reinforce those cravings with eating food, then the easier it becomes. It's not like, You know, like it's, it's, it's the same thing as if you were to, you know, start writing with your non-dominant hand, like it's going to feel clunky at first. It's going to be like hard to do, but then over time you practice over and over again, it becomes easy. And it's the same thing with food. Like you just have a habit of responding to emotional eating rather than like true hunger. And we can retrain that habit easily. It just takes time. Is that
2: helpful? You have no idea. Amazing. Thank you.
1: Yay, Jordana, if I can just speak to that, having taken your one-on-one course what you've taught me which will be beneficial for the rest of my life is if I eat whole plant-based diet or I eat the proper food and I only eat when I'm hungry and don't overstuff myself or stop when I'm full it's inevitable I will lose weight I don't have to know what calories were was in that food I just know if I do that I will lose weight Yeah. That's just very simplified for the simple, I guess, for myself.
0: That's thank you so much for saying that, Joanne, because that brings up a really important point that, you know, like your body doesn't want to be overweight. It wants to be healthy. And so as long as you like don't overdo it, like yesterday, I explained how I got all the six or seven pastries and I had a bite of each like that's not overwhelming. That's not an overindulgence, right? I had a bite of seven pastries. Okay, like did it need to be seven? Probably not. Like I'm pregnant, so we can, like I just was in the store and I was like yum. Um but uh but yeah, like I it very rarely in my life now and I my hope for all of my clients is that yes, we can have a piece of cake, we can have this, but it doesn't turn into this like overindulgent spiral because it's really in those overindulgences that we gain the weight. It's not like from having a bite of this a bite of that. It would be like going to the gym once and being like, "Why don't I have abs?" Well, you're not going to gain weight from one unhealthy meal. You're not going to lose weight from one salad.
1: That's right. Prior to your course, Jordana, I I would have done that. I would have gotten the seven pastries. I would not have been able to not finish them. Now, I can get a pie or I can get a dozen cookies or I can get whatever I want because the grandkids are around and I will just have a Bite or a taste. And I'm good with that. I'm so happy to <laughs> <Yes, laughs> it. Yes, so it's true.
0: Thank you. But yeah. Yeah. So that's like, that's kind of where the magic is, right? Like when it comes to counting calories and like, I get it. Like I have a lot of friends who are fitness coaches and sports nutrition. I did sports nutrition for a long time. And like for certain people counting calories are, is important. Like if you're an athlete and you don't have any emotional eating problems and you want to like gain 30 pounds of muscle. Like we need to know what's going in. Right. But if our goal is to like, let our body let go of all the shit it doesn't need, we need to become more intuitive with like, what does it actually need right now? Um, and not overindulging next question. Guys, don't be shy. Turn off your mics. You can put them in the chat.
2: Hi
1: Jordana, this is Siobhan. Um, You're talking a lot about your program, which sounds very interesting. Can you speak just a little to that as to what that looks like over the six months?
0: Yeah, I was, I was going to actually do that like at the end, but I, oh, okay, I, cool. <laughs> yeah, no, just cause it's, um, so I just, I'll give you a little brief history, but, um, it's my private coaching. There's many ways to work with me. So private coaching is not the only way it just private coaching only opens up like two to maximum three times a year. And it's opening up just for the start in March. So I was going to like go through that here. But um, with private coaching, it's a six month coaching process and um, we, we tackle everything. So the, like, you know how I, lots of you guys have asked a lot of questions that are unrelated to one another. And the reality is like, even though my experience was so like well-rounded and like forced me to look into all of these, all of these different aspects of weight loss, like no, no two people are the same. And so like with the private coaching, like we're doing a one-on-one intake where I get to be like exactly what is going on here. Right. And then in the coaching, you also get like functional testing. So you get that food intolerance test and you get a Dutch hormone test and the Dutch hormone test it's really important because, um, knowing where our hormones are at and where it's blocking our ability to lose weight is where a lot of the magic is going to come from. And that was one of the reasons why after 60 days of no food, there was like no weight loss for me. It was like all my hormones and pathogens. Right. And you actually get a consultation with the hormone specialist. That's all included in the program. Um, she's actually on this call right now. Uh, but (laughs) yeah, and then, um, yeah. And so then for the six months, like you have pretty much direct access to me. So a lot of what I'm talking about here about you know reframing the way you think about food and reframing the way um your subconscious mind right a lot of that like w- there's a reason why we can read tons of self-help books and not change at all it's because like it's not really getting into our subconscious and our subconscious programming is developed between the ages of zero to seven so it wasn't until I really went to school and learned about neuropsychology and like how to manipulate the subconscious mind that I was able to make like long-term changes like here I am eight months almost eight months pregnant and And like, I don't have an overeating problem at all. And like the last time I was pregnant was a very different situation. And in pregnancy, there's like this tendency to overindulge. Cause you're like, why not? Fuck it. I'm pregnant. And so this was like a perfect opportunity for me to be like, it works. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so the program is going like, you have access to me at all times. So that it's in those moments where I get to basically rewire your subconscious to think differently. And we're going to go through exercises we go through my signature program, which is like a six month process. So every month there's like a theme. Um, we do like behavioral psychology and human behaviorism. We do inner child healing and, and all that stuff. And, um, yeah, just so that we can train the brain to not use food as a mechanism for coping, but then also, uh, address it from any other imbalances that you're having. So we want to tackle the program tackles the food psychology aspect of it, but also like if there is underlying hormonal disorders, Fun, like any functional medicine detoxes we need to do, um, any tendencies to self sabotage, like we address all of that. I'll like, like, I'll kind of go through it in a more succinct way at the end of this call, but hopefully that was helpful, Siobhan.
1: Yes, thank you so much.
0: Okay, and then Linda, any tips on how to support the liver during daily regular life from doing the de- from doing the detox regularly with you? Oh, hey Linda, I feel a lot better and want to make sure I continue supporting my body and moving forward. Absolutely. So you want to look at some of the like more natural or just like daily detox mechanisms. So, um, I have an infrared sauna at home. It's like my favorite thing ever. Um, I don't have like the fancy booth, but I have the sleeping bag. It's from higher dose. Um, still a little pricey, but worth every penny. Um, so like you can do things like when I'm not pregnant, I'll do that like at twice to three times a week, just that, um, sauna process. You can also eat certain types of foods. So things like cilantro and parsley and beets, like these are all heavy metal chelators, and it's just going to help to detox the liver. Um, you can take bitters or enzymes, which I'm not sure if you're still in the enzymes, but those are really helpful. Um, making sure that we're asleep before 11 o'clock because le- the, the liver detoxes at 11 PM every night between 11 and two. But if we're awake, it just doesn't do that. So that's another mechanism. You can do things like dry brushing, make sure you're drinking like a gallon of water, doing acupuncture. There's tons of lifestyle stuff that you can incorporate. Is that helpful, Linda?
1: Great. I have a question related to what you just said about the, um, like, 11 to 2 is when your liver detoxes. So what happens when your sleep cycle is off off balance, I guess, or that's normal? Like, let's say you work an overnight shift or something. Like, what happens with those cases or if you sleep in sleep late?
0: Yeah. So my overnighters, like my shift work people is, um, it's, it's a bit of a different protocol that I have for them because there's only so much we can do. Like at the end of the day, if you actually look at the studies too, like the people who do shift work are just way more susceptible to disease in the future because our circadian rhythm is so important to our survival and our like mechanism of restorative healing, and so, if you're a, sh- a late night shift worker, I will add something like melatonin, which I would never add any in any other situation. Like never just to get yourself to sleep properly, but I would add melatonin just because it is a powerhouse of a re- like a restorative hormone, and we need that melatonin process to get into REM sleep, which is where we kind of like reset all of our organs. So, um, I would say for shift workers, it's a bit of a different situation. If you're somebody who like just is a night owl, then like we can work. Well, we work back in fifteen minute increments. So like. If you're going to bed at two in the morning, I'm not like, let's go to bed at 10 30 every day. Like that's obviously not going to work. So I'll be like, great, let's go to bed at 145 for the next week. Then we're going to bed at 130 for the next week. And we just like work back in 15-minute increments to get your body reset on a proper cycle. Um, because it is just so important. The other thing that you can do is you can um expose your pupils to the sunlight first thing in the morning. So inside of our pupils, we have these cells are called the retinal ganglion cells, they're right at the back of the pupil and they detect certain spectrums of light. And so like, before we had clocks, we would like rise and set with the sun rising and setting. And like, this is a really important process because all of our hormones are based on the circadian rhythm. And when we think about hormones, it's not just like estrogen progesterone. It's also like leptin and ghrelin, our hunger hormones, right? Um, it's also like insulin. It's like, these are all hormones, right? So, um, if you wake up and you expose your pupils to the morning light, um, the retinal gangular cells are going to detect the certain spectrums that are happening, which is going to stimulate something called the suprachiasmatic nucleus in the nervous system. And that's going to set the internal clock for your whole body. So all of your endocrine producing organs are going to reset and calculate. And this takes about like four weeks to three months to like really get a good jive with. And because it's like spring is in the air, this is the perfect time to do it. So if I can give like one bit of free advice to anybody, it's just like go for even a five minute walk as the sun is rising, especially in the springtime. And like your body will just regulate naturally on its own. Lena, was that helpful? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was. Thank you.
0: No problem. But see, don't like, don't worry about asking questions. Ask away. This is what this is for. So does berberine and metamucil help? I didn't want to ask too any questions. Help with what? Blood sugar?
2: Yeah. So essentially berberine I've taken, um, when I know I'm going out with the guys and I know I'm going to eat, uh, with friends, sorry. And I go, I know I'm going to eat terrible. Right. So I'll take a, uh, uh, you know, one berberine and I've noticed it helps, but is that something that, you know, um, you shouldn't really be taking, I know it's mainly a natural substance, but you know, you just read stuff about it on the internet and it's really hard for me to like understand some of the, I guess, complex, the more complex explanations.
0: Yeah. berberine is really helpful. It just, it depends on like the source that you're taking it and then like what your schedule is and like your personal blood sugar stuff. So like, this is where like a personalized protocol would be, would be most beneficial if you want to know like the specifics. However, um, it's not harmful. Like I think, like, I think I know your situation pretty well and I can pretty much like, I have a hard time doing this ethically, but like safely be like, it's okay for you. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just that it's not like root cause. Um, it's not root cause treatment, right? Like it's like, let's throw a bandaid on it, like call it a day.
2: Oh yeah. No, I, you and I both know it's definitely a band-aid for now, but yes.
0: <laughs> but yeah, like there are things that I do. Like we went out for, um, Valentine's day on Monday and I like, I normally take enzymes, but I keep forgetting in this pregnancy, which is so ridiculous because I normally take like so many supplements in the day and all of a sudden I get pregnant and I'm like, I don't know what a supplement is. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, but on those big meals, like I will take the enzymes and I took them at the restaurant. Right. And so I think like there's tons of things that we can do to like combat. If we know we're going to have a big meal, I do that at Christmas time as well. Like just like, and my birthday, when I know I'm going to be having these big meals, that like my body will not be super used to, I'll definitely like counteract it, even with like um, when we went away, we didn't have our enzymes, but they had apple cider vinegar. So I'll have like a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar in water before the meal. Then it will just help the body to like, put the food, like break it down and put the food away where it needs to go and then get rid of the rest.
2: Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. No problem. Hey, Jordan, Anna, again.
1: Sorry. You'd mentioned, um, melatonin and that you wouldn't normally recommend melatonin, For like a regular circadian um, sequence. Why is that curious?
0: really good question so first of all melatonin effect, like disrupts our stages of sleep so we have four stages of sleep um and one really important stage that is like not paid attention to enough is slow wave sleep and in slow wave sleep we have um that's really where we produce growth hormone so growth hormone is it sounds like growing but growth hormone is where we regulate fat loss and muscle gain but for people like children like people who are so growing it's also where we grow things like our bones Right. And so when growth hormone doesn't come out, we don't lose any weight at all. So you can like starve yourself all day long, but like if you eat before bed, high insulin will prevent growth hormone from coming out. And if we skip that slow wave sleep, slow wave sleep process. So melatonin skips slow wave sleep and it puts you right into a REM sleep. So we're not like taking advantage of like a really optimal part of sleep and it's sleep is not just important for weight loss. It's also important for like learning. Um, so people who have been taking melatonin for too long have like memory issues. Um, and it's really, really detrimental for kids. I've had a lot of, um, I, I work like primarily, like I don't work with anybody under 18 for sure, but I, I, I would say that the majority of my client base are like, um, between the ages of, you know, 28 and like 60, really. Um, and, and I have some ones on either side for sure. But, uh, but yeah, so in that age group, a lot of them have children. And I have a lot of clients where they were using melatonin with their children to help them sleep. And I'm like, that's just stunting their growth like completely. So I would never recommend melatonin um, to anybody unless you do shift work and unless you're traveling. So melatonin is one of those things that can help with something like jet lag. And the reason why we get jet lag is because we travel and we go to somebody else's time zone where the circadian rhythm is different. And you can see how much that affects our hormones, right? Like we feel physically ill. And so melatonin will just help us to get back on their circadian rhythm, but you only take it one day and then you stop. Okay. What
1: would you, um, great. I totally understand everything you just said. So super like on a personal level, but someone I know who has two small children and uses melatonin every night to help them go to sleep how would you like I know you said that and I was like oh like is, is there something I could read or like I mean you can I can always like message you after or something like that just to kind of like yeah. you know
0: share yes. information yeah. If you, yeah, to share information, absolutely. If you want to message me, like I'll forget. So please message yes, me okay. um, afterwards and I can send you like a bunch of studies on it. Okay. um And this is not new information. Like we've known this for a while, which is why it's really sad. But as far as like a recommendation, um depending on how old the children are, like I would want to look into root cause. Like why are they staying up all night? Right. So, so and it, even like food intolerances because it can impact the, the way we sleep because the inflammation isn't just happening in our gut and in our like body, it's happening in our brain too. So for example, like my brother is schizophrenic and um, he like, I've done everything with him naturally. He just doesn't take his medication. But when we take dairy out of the diet, he has like no episodes. Like, so for on days where like he's, more triggered, which is like often when the family's really together, like around Christmas and birthday parties, like we just make sure we don't give him any dairy. Um, and he's fine. And so this, I'm just, um, I'm telling you guys this so I can paint a picture of how these food intolerances can affect the nervous system too. And, um, especially when it comes to like the glutamate pathways and like glutamate in the brain. So I find that children that have a hard time sleeping, have an overactive glutamate pathway. And so then we'd want to look at which foods are causing this glutamate or this like excitatory, um, um excitatory behavior happening or excitatory response. And so I would look at like the foods. I would look at like, is there magnesium deficiency? Like that's such a simple one. And magnesium is not in our food at all. So magnesium is one that like I would just add in anyways. And then I would look at like trauma like do they have a trauma response? Is there any type of trauma in their in their in their lives? Are they bullied at school? That kind of thing. Thank you. No problem.
1: Anybody else got any questions for me? Jordana, speaking of magnesium, I believe you recommended that it be taken at bedtime. Is that correct?
0: There's different types of magnesium for different things. So um, there's like magnesium citrate, glycinate, bisglycinate, um, malate, three and eight. And depending, like if you are having trouble sleeping or if you have issues with constipation, I say before bed, but if you're somebody who struggles with like a lot of anxiety, then um, you can take it in the morning too. So with anxiety, I would take more of a three and eight and not like a citrate, Um, but you would take it like magnesium three and eight, you would take it like two capsules in the morning and then two capsules before bed. And then also too, I was like, I should have mentioned, like, I, I ethically, I cannot give like specific doses on this call, but like, that's just a general term. So, um, yeah, please like get specific advice if like, you're going to just implement that.
1: Yes. I, I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Me again. <laughs> um, I, I have a question about your, like the, the hypnotherapy that you do. Yeah. Um, like, how does that work? Are we like, would we be physically in your place? Like, or would it be over the call or like, how does that work?
0: No, I was actually taught. So hypnotherapy is a new modality that I added. It'll be about like now almost two years ago. And this, I learned during COVID we learned virtually and that's how I practice it. Like you definitely don't need to be in person for hypnotherapy, especially hypnotherapy for behavior change. Like there's so many different stages of hypnosis that we can be in. And hypnosis was like originally designed so that people could go through surgeries without feeling pain. So like we can get you to a state where you're like completely out of it. Um, but that's not helpful for behavior change. Like remember in slow wave sleep is like where we learn information, right? And where we like uh, and where where we can really reach the subconscious mind. So for behavior change, we want to get into the subconscious and rewire some of those pathways. And so really I just need you to be like in a rested state. And um so with my private coaching program, you get two hypnotherapy sessions with me. And so what we'll do is depending on what we are working on, we will um we will like if we're working on you know binge eating disorder there's one hypnotherapy session that I have that's like, that I use all the time. And it's like a more image producing one. And so you'll get a recording of that after we do it. And I want you to listen to that every night before you go to sleep. And then we'll do another technique that's called the gift technique, where actually you're helping me come up with what I'm going to say to you. And that that's a really powerful one, because when I can reiterate something back to you in your own words, it it, like the subconscious just listens and accepts so much more, so much easier. So I added the hypnotherapy in my um, as in my modalities, because like, If unless I'm there, literally holding your hand, changing the way that you think is not simple. Like it's an easy concept, but like, if I were to tell you, like, spell out your name for me, you would naturally pick up the pen with your dominant hand and you would write your name. Right. And so the brain is the exact same way. Like we don't even think the brain just like replays these cyclical patterns over and over again, these habits we've created. So we want to change those habits. It's not as simple as like, let's read a book on it and call it a day. Or like, I'm going to do a one hour session with you. It's like, I have to constantly be there being like, "Mm, think this way, rewire, rewire. It's like writing with your non-dominant hand. So hypnotherapy kind of like bypasses some of the effort that's needed in that process and just gets into the subconscious a bit easier. Okay. Thank you. No problem. Jessica, how do you handle navigating personal relationships that trigger negative feelings around food? For example, oh yes. Speaking my language. For example, my mom is always on a diet and talking about how little little food she's eaten or the number of pounds she wants to lose. Yeah. Okay. So the mother wound is like a really, really big issue when it comes to food disorders, because our mother is our first experience with food. Like our mother is where we obtain food, like from a child. So when we are a child and we, and we see a disordered relationship that our mother has with food, we think our survival is at threat because that's our access to food. Right. And so Um, If you live with your mother, it's a lot harder. However, I healed my relationship with food living with my mother. So like, it's not impossible. It's just difficult because you have to kind of put blinders on and like, no matter what they say or do, you just have to be like, love you, mom. But like, that's not mine. That's yours like, and you just, you just have to get like really consistent and confident and like what you're doing and where you want to go. Because even now, like I, the first thing I do is I literally, when I go into my parents' house, the first thing I do is I open the fridge and I open the fridge. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, I'm not hungry. It's like, I walk in and I just immediately open the fridge. It's like, so the brain is like actually wired. It's called state dependent memory, but the brain is actually wired to like send us triggers for stuff like that. Right. And so whether your mom is actually saying something to you or whether it's like an, um, an, um, an environmental stimulus, like the natural response is to respond in the way that has been ingrained in your past. That's a part of your subconscious programming. We want to change that. We have to get really comfortable with being like, I actually think a different way. And like, that's not mine. That's yours. That's not mine. That's yours. So I do that a lot now. Like I'll give you this really silly example, but I'm not related to food, but my, my, like I went to buy, buy maternity tights and I shipped it to my parents' house, maternity tights, and they're like 50 bucks. Like, I'm not that much bigger than I was before. It's not that much more material. I don't know why they're that much more expensive, but, anyways. I shipped them to my parents' house. My mom came over and she was like, Oh my God, another package. You're never going to own a house. And she like, it's like this constant shame that they put on us. And she does that with food too. Oh my God, you're not eating enough. You're eating too much all the time. It's like this constant. Um, and it's because of that shame that we learn about ourselves. When we feel shame about ourselves, we're naturally going to want to self-soothe. And if your mechanism of self-soothing is to use food, then like, that's what's going to happen. So we need to like heal the the parts of the nervous system that um, make you feel shame and guilt. And then also just like, keep giving it back to you. Like the reality is you can't teach an old dog, new tricks. Like my mom's never going to change. Your mom probably won't change. And it's not your job. Right. And so like at the end of the day, you just got to be like, you did the best you could love you, but that's not mine. That's yours.
2: That's helpful. That gives me hope. (laughs) (laughs) you.
1: No problem. Um, OK, have seen left. Does anybody else have any questions? I have time for maybe one or two more.
0: OK, um, OK, so I'm just going to answer a question that I got on my um, social media. Um, Is it true you're going to be releasing hypnotherapy app? Yes, that we are creating an app. So that's really exciting. And then what mistakes do you see people or clients constantly, perhaps unknowingly making? Um, I think it's just like not understanding true hunger versus real hunger and then like catastrophizing situations. So, you know, if you go, you overeat, like the reality is like everybody overeats, even people that don't have issues with food. And so when you go to an event and you overeat and you're like, fuck, now I've ruined my diet. I'm going to have to start again. It's that catastrophe that's going to drive more of that behavior. Um, and then the last question here is, have you had any clients relapse into unhealthy behaviors after working with you? If so, how can this be avoided? Do you have a coach coaching process or mechanism in place? Yeah. So, um, it's not common. Like I, oh, here's Ashley. She's, uh, yeah. It's, it's really not common for clients to, uh, relapse afterwards. Like I'll have, even with myself, like there are moments now, like I'm so beyond, my healing journey, but you know, it still is a day by day process. Like there are still times when I feel triggered and it's about knowing how to implement the tools because the reality is like, you're not going to never overeat again. You're not going to never be triggered. You absolutely will be. It's how you deal with that. Right. And so I've had like maybe two clients in my whole life come back for a, a maintenance program if you do the six month program with me, like I really encourage you, do not resign. Like, I don't want you to, not that I don't want to be with you or help you, but like after the six months, girl, like you're good. You have everything. Like, I'm not like that type of coach. It's like, well, and then there's a next level and a next level, like, no, it's time for you to go and fly and and like, and trust yourself, right? Um. So like, I really try and design this program. So that's like a one-time thing. And it's not like we have to do this over and over and over again. However, sometimes shit comes up And like usually happens about a year or two years down the road. And at that point, I always offer a free top-up session. So like you always get an opportunity to like chat with me for free, whether that's on a call or getting the walkie-talkie service back. Um, And then I do have a maintenance program in place, but I just really don't, like I don't implement it that often because most of the time clients really just don't need it. Okay. I hope that that was helpful. I'm just going to um, switch gears here and just explain the private coaching. And then, oh, what have I done? I'm not a super tech savvy person. So can everybody see my PowerPoint presentation? Yes? Yes. Perfect, thank you. Okay, awesome. Okay. So first of all, if you gained the weight back, it didn't work. So whatever mechanism you used to lose the weight in the past, like I have a lot of clients say to me, you know, but like it worked if I, I did keto and it worked for a little bit, like, sorry, if you gained the weight back, it did not work. Okay. And diets actually have a 98% fail rate. So we're going to go that here. So like, it's not you, <laughs> it's the diet. That's the problem. And the problem with this is like, changing the way that you eat starts with psychology. It doesn't start with a diet plan. You can't like change something about your behavior by like following a restrictive plan. It doesn't work like that. Right. And so, um, the problem is we often start diets and we're like, Oh, that like, I failed the diet when really like it's the diet that failed you. And then when we feel like a failure, we're going to behave in ways that are consistent with failure mentality. So that's more self-sabotage. Um, it's not as simple as eat this and don't eat that. Take my 60 day juice fast as an example. And then if you think the way you've always thought you'll always get, you've always got. So this, this is just me encouraging you to like expand your thinking a little bit, like, like in the sense where, okay, yes, we know donuts are not healthy for us. But like, if we keep thinking like, oh, fuck, this is going to make me fat. Like it absolutely will be. We have to change the way that we think so we can change our reality. And then here's some more client success stories. So this client, I've lost 25 pounds and I'm starting to feel like myself again. Um, this is a client that came to me with di- uh, depression. So a lot of her weight gain came from her medication and like, just like low motivation, um, feeling really like not high vibe out of her element. And so we worked a lot on the mental health aspect, which like in turn helped with her weight. And then um this client lost 26 pounds. She never thinks about food. This is a sweet client. Um, but yeah, this is another one of my binge eating clients, my emotional eating clients. that have like food obsession and constantly thought about food. And even though she would like not eat all day, but then eat a bunch before bed. And like, that's, that's going to prevent the process of weight loss. Right. And so we had to like literally rewire all of her habits to get her to lose that weight, but she's doing really well as well. Um, 45 pounds in canting. This is, yeah, this is one of my fave clients. Not that I pick favorites, but, um, we worked on her relationship with food. We also worked on the food intolerance test and rebalancing hormones. Um, after six loss, she lost 45, after six months, she lost 45 pounds and she only had 30 that she wanted to lose. So she's like exceeded that and more. Um, she's amazing. Okay. So this is my private coaching program. So I'm talking to you guys about this now because I launched this twice a year, three maximum because I'm having the baby. I'm only taking on a small handful of people. So I normally work with about 50 people at once. I will only be taking uh, 15 and two people have already claimed their spots. So, um, I worked with over 600 clients. I see the same type of person. Nobody wakes up and they want to see, they they want to be overweight. So I don't believe it's a choice. I don't believe like obesity being overweight is a choice at all. And I think if you are saying to yourself, like, I just need more willpower. I just need to be more disciplined. I think that's absolute bullshit because you are, you do have lots of willpower. You are disciplined. You go to work every day. You do the shit you need to do. So why can you not apply that here? It's not as simple as that. Right. And then, um, what's included. Okay. So we have the intake assessment. That's one-on-one with me. You have the two functional medicine tests and the session with the hormone specialist. I love hormones. I think they're they're really cool. Very complex. I know a lot about them, but like the reality is like, I like to stay in my zone of genius. So I do this as like a bonus to you, but if you have any other questions outside of that, I can usually help with hormone stuff. Um, Every single month, we have three sessions and sometimes four just depending on the month. And so we're meeting like almost once a week. And then you get two hypnotherapy sessions with me that are again, one on one, if you need to do a detox. So if I suspect like parasites, candida, whatever, we'll do a detox, um, you get my mindful journal. So I wrote a book. It's a journal for behavior change. It's amazing. I love it. You just get that. Um, And then you also get in between support. So I have two ways that you can do this. One through like a Slack channel, which is like a private Slack channel. It's all the the, the people in the program and you guys can collaborate, but you can also direct message me. So like if you're struggling with cravings and you're like, oh, like I'm working right now, but like, I just want to keep going up and eating food. Like that would be an opportunity to reach out so I can give you an exercise to reframe that brain. You can also do the walkie talkie service with me, which honestly has the highest efficacy rate. Like that's the thing where I'm like really actually getting into the subconscious. And I'm like, you talk to me every day, um, or as much as possible, like you, there's no way you won't succeed. And so the two people that did not succeed in my programs, never talked to me. I never heard from them. That was the reason why they didn't succeed. Like I would meet them every other week. And they'd be like, I've been all last week. And I'd be like, can't fucking help you now. man. like, I just, I can't help you. Right. And so you need to reach out and talk to me so that I can like understand what's going on, understand the function of your behavior so I can rewire it. And then you get a hundred pages of PDF of my signature program and monthly masterminds. So that's the program. Basically it's kind of my baby. I'm obsessed with it. Um, and then if you were going to apply, so we start in March and, um, just check your email. If you came, if you were here today or not, um, and you like confirmed, you will get an email of a replay. Um, there'll be an application process. So like, I love you all, but I just don't work with everybody. I'm very like specific. You have to really want to change and like really be willing to listen to me because if you come in and you're like, diets are the only way that I lose weight. Like I, again, can't help you. Like you have to have an open mind. And so I'll know from reading your application, if it's going to work or not with you. And I will not take on somebody who it won't work with, which might be why I have a high success rate. Um, but then you fill out the application and, uh, then we're going to book a free consultation so I can get to know you one-on-one, but if you're just ready to go, you just sign up for the uh, program. And because you came today, I'm giving you guys a hundred dollars off of the program um, if you apply within the next 48 hours. So I would have to receive your application the next 48 hours and then you get the $100 off coupon. I see somebody in the chat, just one sec. I'm here. Yes. What's the cost of the program? It's there's different, um, there's different tiers. So like, it's, I like, if I I could tell you right now, like my, the highest cost that you would pay in the program is like 1800 a month. Um, but then like the lowest cost is, and I also offer payment plans, right? So like if you do an eight month or 12 month payment plan, then like, we're talking like $500 a month. It just, it really just depends on who, like what tier of program you want to work with. Um, and then also too, if it's not private coaching, like I have an emotional eating course, which is like really low cost and I do a lot of free workshops. So like, there's always a way to work with me. I work really hard to make sure like this information is accessible to everybody. Um, I will say though, that the private coaching is where all of the magic happens. And yeah, again, like Sean, if you're interested, just fill out an application and we can, we can go through all of that together. Okay, thanks so much. I hope you have a great day and I hope you learned a lot. If you have any questions, you can always um, hit me up on socials. If not, have a great day. Bye.